What's up, Fraudcast listeners? Uh, I, if you have been reading Uproxx recently, uh, I think, what was it, two weeks ago now, I published this interview with the Daniels, uh, the guys who directed Everything Everywhere All at Once. Um, that's their collective name. Uh, it's Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. Um, like I said, I posted that as a uh, as a as a review feature on Uproxx, the written version. Um, it's always tough because we're trying to publish those to time to time it with the opening of the movie. But then a lot of these movies are like platformed, so only like the first four or five markets in the country get to see it on the first weekend. Um, and it's a fun interview, but a lot of it doesn't necessarily make as much sense if you haven't seen the film. Um, anyway, I thought it was a good interview and they said it would be okay to post, uh, the audio version of, so I was going to do that here just so that you can hear it. Uh, hopefully it's better as an audio. Sometimes, uh, it's not you, I get to, I get to take out my stutters and pauses when I, uh, write it up for Uproxx and make, make myself sound cooler and, uh, less stuttery than I actually am. Um, Anyway, I don't think there's a ton you have to know uh, about the movie to understand this. Like I said, they're Daniel Kwan, Daniel Scheinert. I think Scheinert will be the first voice you hear in there, and uh, Daniel Kwan is the second. Um, the movie stars uh, the guy who played Short Round in Indiana Jones. That's Kiwi uh, Kwan and Michelle Yao. And I think I referenced uh, the publicist name Ryan because... Uh, they had heard what I wrote in my uh, email to him after I saw it. So that's what we're talking about at the beginning of there. Um, anyway, uh, me and me and Matt already did a review episode of the movie. Um, so I thought this would be like a fun little bit of bonus content. All right, I'll stop talking now and you can just listen to the interview. Enjoy. I'm going to roll and you can start with your name and your outlet, please. Hey, guys, Vince Mancini for Uproxx here. How you doing? Hello. Doing great. Thanks for having us. No <laughs> problem. To talk today. Yeah. Um, the movie. Did you it, write about the movie uh, Skull Fucking You? Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, Ryan's sharing my secrets. I, uh, it's, it's a great, great one sentence review. So we gotta gotta give you credit for it. All right. Well, now that has to go in the actual review and not just the email. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it actually reminded me of a Dalai, Dalai Lama joke, uh, where he's at a pizza place. Have you heard that one? I don't think so. What did the Dalai Lama say at the pizza place? Uh, I want you to make me one with everything. Mm. (laughs) Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, so (laughs) did, did anyone try to talk you out of this project? Like just, just thinking about how much this work, how much work this must've been kind of makes me tired. Yeah, we That's we, fair. Yeah. we took turns to trying to talk each other out of it early on, and then uh, there were probably a few reactions to the first draft, the first few drafts where we had one friend of ours be like, "The first half's great, don't do the second half." <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and we were like, "Hard pass, man." Which was, yeah, that's, that's why we're doing it. Yeah, we would never want to make the first half of the movie on its own because it's you know it's it's a fun action you know. Sci-fi action. Ew, movie. who likes fun? I know, action but like, movies. but like, 
to me, to us, it's always like if so, if we can imagine someone else making it, why make it? Someone else can do that. You know, there's plenty of filmmakers who want to fill up you know, that space, and our niche is just making things that no one else will want to make. And so the second half was was the movie to us. That's the reason why we made the movie. And for some people, it's too much, and for other people, it's it's been really um, mind blowing and rewarding. So we're we're really yeah. That that was the only big pushback it was people trying to turn it into a more traditional action movie mm-hmm. i mean there's so much of it that seems uh, like you're playing with these different worlds like do you think that people got that on the page like it, it seemed like very uh visual in in watching it yeah. I, I think people got it like what we were going for but um you know a lot of folks were understandably confused by the screenplay right and we kept and we kind of saying it. like uh, we we were so confident that once we had imagery, costumes, different aspect ratios, music, that like it would be a lot more intuitive uh, than it was on the page to tell the universes apart. You know? Yeah, we we knew that it was going to be tough to read, so we created like a little pitch document with images and stuff like that, basically like, kind of saying we're going to lean into genre with every universe so that it just becomes a, a really quick read for people. People click into the story and know where they are because, you know, I think um, we all grew up on movies and we've watched way too many of them, and like we all share this common vocabulary now. And this movie is almost a way to kind of test how far, where we are in, as a culture. Like, um, what what is our what is our um, our ability to contain um, all of these genres and understand them. There have um, been a few people yeah. who like watched it once and then they ask us questions about the flashing sequence mm. that like are so specific. And I'm like, how did you see that? It, yeah. it was one frame per second. Yeah, yeah. Your brain is too fast. I think those are video gamers. Right. You know, but that's just every, everyone is video gamers now. Everyone is like, like mm-hmm. just processing mm-hmm. so much. And so I think this this is I. I think that this movie could have only been made now and only be, been received now. You mm. know, both the technology to make it only exists now, and then also the type of audience members who can actually enjoy it exists right now. Some people are probably bummed it's only twenty four frames per second. They're like, <laughs> "Oh, boring! I need forty eight." Are you guys are you guys sort of able to game this sort of stuff out on paper, or did you need to do like a fair amount of uh, shooting to? see what you wanted to do with a lot of these sequences um i think we've been doing music videos and short films and even our first feature you know for about a decade now if you include the time it took to make this movie so we've been practicing with our tone and we've been exploring our voice and trying to figure out what techniques work and and basically try to figure out what what is the perfect alchemy and so uh, for this movie, we didn't have to do any test shoots really, because we, we we had been basically doing test shoots our whole careers for something like this. And so when we wrote it, we were pretty confident that like we would either find a way to make it work in the edit, or we would it would be okay if we had to cut it or or diminish it. You know, so we 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 had a lot of uh, backdoor um, like solutions in case uh, things went wrong. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, especially we, the montage stuff, you know, yeah. which seems like the stuff that would be like, how's that going to work? But we're pretty used to getting into the edit and being like, let's, let's oh, there's a thousand out. options. Let's right. just yeah. we'll play until yeah. something clicks. Yeah, I think I think that's one of our, our secret weapons is we, we're both editors and, and so mm-hmm. we think about the edit while we're shooting and we also, we know when we, we have enough footage, just enough footage to make it work. Um, so we're not doing 
take after take after take and we're not perfectionists because we are comfortable in fixing things in the edit and fixing things and and discovering things in in post right um so i read that you guys turned down like a loki project to make this uh seems like a lot of other directors sort of jump at the chance to get on board with the Marvel train. What made you guys turn that down? It was, uh, pretty, it was easy. We were trying, we were already like deep into trying to get this movie made. Like it was like actors attached. And so it was, it was kind of, uh, just a, a meeting where we got to meet them cause they're doing a lot of cool stuff. Um, and then we were like, Oh no way. We're, we we just got Michelle's thumbs up. We're prioritizing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and and also like because there's like we were both trying to do like um, you know sort of multiversal sci-fi, but in the style of like Douglas Adams. We were like, uh, let's let's stick to our guns. Let's let's do our thing. Um, but on top of that, it's you know our our style is so specific, and and uh, it's actually sometimes it can be hard for us to fit into other people's voices and other people's worlds, and so. It's probably for the best for everyone. I feel like if we actually did Loki, the Marvel fans would be like so mad at us. <laughs> <laughs> like we, we would be the next Ryan Johnson, which is honestly yeah. a great, great compliment. Yeah, that's our goal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if we ever do a, a studio pick, we want to we want to go down in infamy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like the uh, the story of a girl uh, song reference in there, like that really had me rolling. Um, and then it sort of became like a theme and a background thing. Like, what what was the story? Like, is there a story there? And like, did you throw around other songs that you thought about using in that way? What is the story of the girl? What yeah, is exactly. The story a couple of things happened. Like, first, uh, uh, we were writing this sequence because we got a note where someone was like, I don't know what the Alphaverse wants. What's their mission? So I started writing this, like, really uh, over the top, like, this, we are trying to fight the chaos or whatever. Um, and, you, this, it's the, and so, that, yeah, the speech was like, you can feel it. Something's wrong. And yeah, then yeah. like, what's a poetic way of saying that? And Dan just wrote a monologue that's like, uh, I just, yeah, I just wrote something. Your hair never falls quite the same way. And, and I, I wrote it out. And then I was like, wait, what is that? I know that's like, not, I did not write that. Like, but that's something in my like deep subconscious. And so I Googled it and I was like, holy shit. That's from the song story of a girl. I didn't tell anyone. Um, because I was like, we'll fix that later. I'm, I'm just writing or whatever. For like a year or two, no one noticed. Yeah, then... I, that was my, that was basically the test. I was like, if someone calls it out, I'll take it out. But if no one calls it out, maybe I'll just keep it in. And then right before we shot that scene, like the day before, I, 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 like I was like, Shiner, um, we need to rewrite this or at least have some other options, some alts, because I don't think we technically have the rights to these lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, and we couldn't think of anything else to like we try to rewrite it and nothing else was as fun or interesting you just can't beat that song yeah you know it's just like the perfect lyric it's Uh, the perfect like why do i know that where do i know that from like at first i thought it was like a train song and then i was like wait but this doesn't make me want to puke enough for it to be a train song like it's something else i couldn't and it, like and then when i write it like in my questions when i'm writing it then it's like yeah. stuck in my head when i'm talking to you too exactly yeah. it's 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 a weird yeah it almost feels like it's like yeah a beacon from another universe so then like almost on a whim we had our music supervisor reach out because we were like what if we just put the song in the movie because we have these a couple scenes that need music and turns out john hampson what is like a cinephile and was so he's the singer of that band and now he's like a teacher and he's uh, an english teacher in high school i think and he's oh, wow. so, he was so excited to uh not only give us permission but to like help 
so you can barely hear them but we'll we'll release them one of these days they're uh uh he recorded new lyrics to his own song uh kind of in a weird way for the yeah. different universes um so we have like original re uh re-records of uh the song for for each universe so we, we use it in three different universes that's amazing yeah. um yeah, I read in another interview that you guys were kind of worried uh, about the other Matrix movie coming out before this because you guys were, had been inspired by the Matrix. So on that note, like, what did you think about uh, Turning Red? Oh, you know, well, I actually haven't seen Turning Red yet. We've been basically it came out on streaming and then our press tour took over, so we actually, I haven't had a chance to sit down. But I'm so excited to watch Turning Red just because uh, I loved her short film. Um, Bao was like pretty incredible so i don't know people are saying it's a good double feature turning red and then everything everywhere all at once Mm -hmm. they're both super kid friendly (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, i don't know but we can talk about the matrix if you want but uh, sure yeah yeah. (laughs) Uh, it's a it's contentious uh i loved it (laughs) but the new matrix um knowing that it was never going to live up to the first one i was like this is wild and um i actually got emotional at times that we both responded to Trinity. Yeah, I just wish yeah. the whole movie was about like a suburban housewife who can't, who compulsively rides her motorcycle and doesn't think her kids are her kids. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I, th- I think that would have been, you know, I would watch two hours of that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we're obviously super fans of the first Matrix, the first and only Matrix, and uh, and um, and there's something, yeah, there's something so scary about. Ma- how long it takes to make a movie and and watching the filmmakers you admire release new things and wondering if um if you're chewing on the same if you're chewing on the same things and if if the world will need your story when your story finally comes out you know right yeah that's Um, tough but i think uh so the, the last few weeks have been so rewarding and exciting to finally share it with folks and to see it resonate with folks right So tell me about uh, Kwe Kwan, if I'm saying that right. Uh, was that like a stunt casting idea that happened to work out, or did you have some insider knowledge that convinced you that he would uh, come out of his like 20 year acting hiatus and be great in this? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah it was an every, accident. Everything we do is a stunt in some ways, mm. but then also the stunt becomes earnest, you know, through the process. And so with with Key, his his name's Key actually. Mm. Um, it's uh, we were struggling to find someone to, who could fulfill that role because it's a really complicated role. And um, one day we found, I, I was scrolling through Twitter and I saw like a GIF of Short Round. And I was like, what is that kid doing? Where, where, is, where has he been this all, all this time? Um, and we started doing a lot of research and we found out that he had a black belt in Taekwondo and was like on the action team, the stunt team for, you know, the first X-Men movie. And so we're like, oh, interesting. He actually... He's very sweet and goofy, but he can do kung fu, and he also is like speaks Chinese. Speaks Chinese, He's, yeah, and and so we just like we're like, maybe we should just reach out and see, you know, what what could we what what's what's the worst that could happen? Um, what we didn't know is at the same time, literally the same month that we were having this conversation, he was having his own conversation with his with his agents, or basically he reached out to an agent for the first time and was like, I think I'm ready to go back to acting. And so it just kind of timed out perfectly where two weeks after he reached out to um, his representation, we reached out to them with like this project. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it worked out perfectly. I can't, mm-hmm. now I can't imagine anyone else playing this role. He's so right. perfect for it. But in a way, like so, so much of the casting is like, like we just wanted to cast the best people for these parts. And, uh, 
at slash also get financing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, um, and so it became this like journey into like all these incredible Asian American actors uh, who've been in so many of our favorite films, but haven't gotten to shine three dimensional yeah. opportunities to shine. And like, so just by like, it just organically happened that like, that became the stunt of the movie was just like, you've seen James Hong hundreds of times. Like here he is like playing like a, a beefier part. Like you've seen Michelle Yeoh as the supporting actress in like 10 of your favorite movies. Uh, and, but this is the, we didn't know this, but like she hasn't top lined a Hollywood film mm-hmm. ever. ever. And we're like, Oh, I guess, Oh, why not? Um, and then yeah, key like, was a part of everyone's childhood and, yeah. and now we get to bring him back and, and he's better than ever. <laughs> okay. Last, last question. So, uh, this felt a little more expensive than a 24 usually goes for, like, did you feel any pressure, uh, in terms of like wanting this to be a hit? Um, a little, but also just excitement, you know, like they were very excited from the very beginning about the potential of it to be that like, that movie that lands in between uh, indies that are edgy and blockbusters, you know? Um, And we have like a toolkit. We like playing with scrappy tools. And so like we, it it did not cost nearly as much as an action movie normally does. Um, And so I think it was, it ended up being the perfect, you know, place for that to, for the movie to land, you know, um, cause they believed in the weird parts and were excited about the, you know, spectacle. <laughs> yeah. Something, something I read once read in a Coen brothers interview was like, someone was asking them, so how have you sustained a career of just doing whatever you want? And their answer was like, if you keep the budget low enough, people will let you do whatever you want. Even if it doesn't do well, they'll let you do another one. They'll let you do another one. And so like, even though this movie looks like it's a really big budget, it was low enough that people were like, it didn't. It never felt like there was a lot of pressure because people are like, "This is, yeah, we do whatever we want. This, this is not a big budget." Um, and so um, I think I think people will be um, really shocked to see that it feels big. And it, you know, we actually we, we screened it at a at a uh, Dolby Digital Cinema um, a couple nights ago, and some of the audience members came up to me. He's like, "This felt massive. It felt you know the the seats were shaking. It felt like it felt like a proper you know." like blockbuster and i was like so happy because they were just um blown away like because they didn't understand how we could have made it um which is kind of what we want to do we kind of want to constantly be showing people um that the way things are isn't always how they should be and this is this movie is a testament to that idea right on well thank you guys for talking to me i was a big fan uh yeah thanks vince thank you so much good to see you you too take care cheers